Welcome to Vox Vomitus, also known as Word Vomit. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of Vox Vomitus, otherwise known as Word Vomit. Sorry, I was already laughing before we went live. Uh, thank you all for being here. I am your host, Jennifer Ann Gordon, the award-winning author of Beautiful, Frightening, and Silent, as well as the Hotel series. I am joined today, as always, by my two Vox Vomitus vixens, Trisha Ridinger-McKee, author of the Beyond series, and Alison Martin, author of the Bourbon books. Our very special guest today is somebody who I have a huge girl crush on, and I've been fangirling for her for well over 10 years, Miss Sarah Langan. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm, like, so excited. This looks like it's going to be fun. You're not going to be like, go. You have an hour. (laughs) I know. We're like, what are you drinking, Sarah? (laughs) This is a 10-year-old scotch. A Laphroaig. I like that. What are you guys drinking? I'm drinking a Irish whiskey called Writer's Tears. Oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mine is old fashioned, but I don't have any of my fun garnishes that make it look like fruit cocktail. It's just, just booze that I... <laughs> Trisha's our designated... Uh... Trisha, like, it's three. It's three o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> it's six for Trisha and I. Yeah, yeah. I'm just drinking soda. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Trisha's here to make sure we don't get in too much trouble. Yes. yes. These are designated host. That's helpful. Our, our show Perone, like a show. Ooh, I love it. That's a really good idea. Um, I need one in just real life, apparently. So, Sarah, thank you so much for being here. You are here talking about your latest book, Good Neighbors. Can you give us and our audience a little rundown while we sip our cocktails. So The Good Neighbors is uh, about a family who are misfits and they don't belong in the place that they move to. And it opens there. But I'll give you some backstory, which is uh, Gertie and Arlo Wilde fall madly in love. They both have really severe scarred pasts that they're trying to get over. And he is like tattooed sleeves and smokes and is an ex-junkie and had a hit song. And it's all gone now. And Gertie was a beauty queen who won some pageants and holds herself really like she's uptight and everything is for show. And people, women, you know, they don't like that. And so she's sort of repellent to a lot of a, a certain amount of type of person. But what she's covering for is that her stepmother uh, loaned her out uh, to men and at a very young age. So she's trying to get over that. These are like huge things to try and get over. And they meet, they get an apartment in East New York and they have Julia and Larry and they just decide like, this is their life is they just want to be parents and they just want to give their kids better than what they had. And they don't want their kids to fight like they had to fight. So they save up as much as they can and they buy into the American dream and they get this house in the suburbs. It's the most rundown and they move in and they immediately don't belong because it's Long Island, because there's certain expectations of how the middle class is supposed to behave. And the other background for this is the near future. And it's when global warming is affecting us more. And the financial strain of that is, is particularly hitting the middle class. 
in my vision. And I think that's realistic. So, so these neighbors are already stressed out. And the idea that someone is moving, it's like barbarians have shown up at the gates. And this means that their own children's futures are messed up. This means that maybe they're going to lose their houses. So they represent all kinds of things. And there is, um, because of this global warming, there is a sinkhole warning at the beginning of the novel where we know something's going to happen with, and it's in the park on the cul-de-sac where all the kids play. So the wilds show up, they're not welcomed, and the next door neighbors, the Schroeders, take an interest in them. And Rhea Schroeder is the queen bee, and she uh, is having problems of her own. And she's, she's not a person who should be living in the suburbs. She's overeducated, she's uh, underemployed, and she's not stimulated, and she's frustrated. And when she sees Gertie, she thinks, here's someone different. And here's someone that I can talk to and actually be friends with, as opposed to all these types that appear to me like Stepford or something. And their preoccupations are so mundane, it drives me crazy. I want to talk about real things. They quickly become friends, but something happens. And Rhea has her own past. And as I don't know if, if anyone's ever had a fight with a best friend yeah. where it just gets you. Or like something you guys were plugging in wrong and you were both doing wrong things some way. So what happens is they have this fight, fight, this fracture takes place and Rhea goes ballistic and tells all the neighbors everything that Gertie has confessed about Arlo's heroin, about her upbringing and her past and the name and that maybe there's something wrong with them. And so when the story begins, there's a 4th of July party that the wilds haven't been invited to and they're hurt but as they do, they decide, well, we're going to try and make this work anyway. We're going to go out. We're going to ask Rhea why she didn't invite us. We're going to make ourselves fit. And they're rejected when they do that. At the same time, a sinkhole opens in the middle of the park. And we see, like, what the relationships are. As the story progresses, uh, about half the block moves away because the sinkhole is toxic. The half that stays stays there because of this dramatic thing that happens, which is one of the children falls down the sinkhole and they want to make sure that that child is raised up and they feel invested in that. Um, at the same time, they begin to think that maybe the wilds have hurt that child who fell down the sinkhole. And maybe uh, it's the wilds' fault that all of this is happening. And they begin to scapegoat the wilds, not only for the sinkhole, the child, but what's happening all around them. So, so it's a feel good story of the year. Yeah. Is what what you're telling us? Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, I I, I want to uh, kind of burst in and say how much I loved this book. First of all, it had such beautiful things to it symbolically that I just love so much. Um, I love the idea of a female friendship breaking up and how it's really like losing your first love. And that is like the core of so many toxic female friendships and non-toxic female friendships. When you lose that bond, it is heartbreaking in a way that a lover can't break your heart. Well, they, they got in closer. You know, I think the weirdest thing with women is, is we're not, I, a lot of us don't have access to our anger 
and we're not able to express anger in our friendships in those same ways that we could with men. Um, you can be angry with a man in a fight, have a fight and get over it. And it's much, much harder just because, you know, our gender was not raised to express these emotions. So they can build and they can be misdirected. And you can think that you're having a conversation about one thing, but you're having it about something 10 years ago and it gets really ugly. And it's painful for that reason too, because they're like family. They are. They're like closer than sisters even just, um, so you handled all of that so beautifully. Um, also, I'm a theater nerd. I went to school for theater. So I saw a lot of not only the crucible in this, but also a lot of Tennessee Williams. Because Tennessee Williams plays are always in the summer. It's always hot. The heat is another character that brings people's temperaments to a boil. And I got that. Oh, I love in that. Good neighbors. I was just like, this. Am I hearing everyone? Are you hearing me? She, oh, hello. You're back. Okay, good. <laughs> Sorry. You're back. <laughs> Sorry. <That's laughs> weird happened. I, I was scared it was happened. me. I, no, it's, I always have internet problems. So. Well, and I'm going to hop in here. Lori Schoenfeld says, yes, I felt that too with women friendship. I like the most, uh, the thing that I labored over most was uh, Shelly and Julia, that long mm-hmm. talk that they have. Because that, that meant so much to me. Like, I, you know, my best friend I met when I was 10. And we were in love, you know. It was yes. wonderful, you know. And, and uh, yeah, there's just this this wonder that happens. Because yeah. it, it's such a, you know, especially at the age of 10, it's such a wonderful, innocent way to explore emotions is with your first best friend because you feel everything together. You fall in love with the same boys. You hate the same boys. Your moms are mean. Everybody's mean. You love everybody. You hate everybody. Your brothers are gross. And it's just, it's a magical time. So the book brought me back to my childhood a lot. I was the Julia. I was the poor kid in a rich town and uh, smoking cigarettes at the power lines with some kids that parents had nicer jobs than mine did (laughs) it always seems so crazy hypocritical to me like those the parents who would get so worked up about stuff like that just like why is that girl wearing jeans oh (laughs) in the town i grew up in one of my friends wasn't allowed to wear jeans and she would pack them in her backpack and change into them in the mornings it was odd it was a lot (laughs) Aren't you from the town that you wrote uh, yeah. neighbors about? So. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's loosely based. You know, it's not, I haven't lived there. You know, I'm not 12 or 30 or 45, you know, living there. So I don't know. <laughs> Very specific <you> ages. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it, you know, uh, our memories of, of, of the 1980s or you guys are probably the nineties and the aughts are like, (laughs) well, so (laughs) thank you, Sarah. (laughs) But our memories of that are a conformist era because it was a really conformist era. And because everyone different was looked at askance and you weren't allowed to have different ideas. And, you know, I remember like bringing that 
Sting album Russians to my sixth grade class and like some kids screaming like you like commies. <laughs> I was like, no, it's about n- nuclear war. You know, no, you're not allowed to have any nuance. Like you just are supposed to hate commies and love Rocky. So um, is, that I don't, is that when you read the lyric, I hope the Russians love their children too? Like, can you just have the takeaway and go, please just listen to the song before you judge me? Are you, are you, are you, it's like talking to a, a Trumper. Like, no. <laughs> you like, can say that. Yeah. Yes. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> no, um, you hope they come around, but, but I think they so. don't. <laughs> they never do. To, to finish the thought, like, I, I think that the era now that people are growing up in is, is more diverse and there are more ideas out there. And the way that I'm raising my kids to be like feminists and is, so I took them to go see Wonder Woman and I got a little weepy at the battle scene, you know, it was amazing. And we walked out and the girls were like, um, why did she have that boyfriend? And he wasn't her friend. He was trying to take control. The only one we liked was Robin Wright, you know, like, And I was like, oh, because you don't have to live with the burdens that I was indoctrinated to. So I I don't know. I think the the eras have changed. Well, they have. The joke is the princesses of our youth are the generals of our adulthood. So you watch Buttercup, the princess, become a general. We watch Princess Leia become General Organa. We're like, we've promoted ourselves to the head of the army now. We are not just going to be princesses to be rescued. I, so Ruth Bader Ginsburg was interviewed. I may have this wrong, but I like it, so I'm going to repeat it. And they said, "When is it going to be enough? When are when do you when do you stop fighting for women on the Supreme Court?" And she said, "When the Supreme Court is all women." Yeah, that's for many years. That. And she was like, "And I thought about it. It was like, yeah, because they had the the lock on it for 200 years, yeah. right?" And it's been 200 years driven in that specific direction without anyone. And she's right. You know, it sounds radical and it's funny, but it's like, actually there's, you know, we're not even going toward course correction. We're not even at equal. So. Especially when certain women are still mentally in that. I am internalized misogynist. <laughs> well, and I wanted to bring up that. Say it. I, I love the fact that when you chose to set it, both from a demographic and cultural point of view, but also from a storytelling point of view that you set it in the future. Because I love the fact that so much of the story was told in the retrospective where you'd give a little bit of a glimpse of this is what happened. And here are all the cultural things that are responding to this big event that happened. And then we're seeing, okay, well, why did she set it in the future? That was something I was kind of grasping with. And yes, the environmental thing is part of it, but also the fact that then, the kids can be now as opposed to kids of the 80s or kids of the 90s. They are kids slightly in our future still rather than kids set in the 70s and, and now looking back or kids set in the 90s and looking back. Yeah. You know, I was, I was avoiding that nostalgia. Like, I feel like that's been cashed in on too much. And I feel Stranger like it's, I think <laughs> it's harmful. I do. You know, I, I think it's like, oh, it was like this. And it's like, no, it wasn't. And and Cobra Kai, no. Like, <laughs> Karate Kid was never like Karate Kid. And people don't beat each other up in the high school over, like, what? Like, that's not a thing. So, like, 
I just, it's, it's creating a reality that doesn't exist to the point where people believe in the reality and react to the reality. And, and there's like meta levels. And I really was hoping and trying to make this as realistic children as I could. And it's funny because I, I keep talking about sexism and it's like endless and people are reading the book and they're like, I was a guy and I liked it. And I felt, you know, I have my own interpretation of this and, and, and they should. Um, but I, I do. Yeah. I have a lot of. <laughs> I do want to make the point because um, full disclosure, I didn't finish the book. I have started it. And you say about nostalgia and you wanted to avoid it, but it's there but on a different level because it's what we as the readers feel and remember of our own experience. It's not copying what culture tells us. Yeah. I, you know, that makes me happy because it makes me remember like, uh, remember the twin peaks movie? Yes. Sorry. Yeah. (laughs) And when Laura Palmer, when it's apparent something really bad is happening to her, I remember just started crying in the theater because I was thinking about this friend that I had that I, I just knew I was losing her. I knew that she was going down a road. She wasn't going to let me help her. And that was it, you know? And that, like, brought that out. And I, I would love, yeah, to evoke those real feelings. Yes. It definitely, it definitely has. Yeah, I think, um, I agree with Trisha. I felt nostalgic, but not in the same way that I feel like the nostalgia is being forced down my throat, like when I watch Stranger Things or things like that, where I'm like, oh, God, no, not everybody was just like this lifestyle. This made me nostalgic, not for a time or a place, but for a sense of how I built relationships when I was younger. Yeah. And, and, and that was great. I was talking to a friend today because I have a, a friend who from my past to, um, anyway, like, like, how do you honor friends that you've had as an adult that are no longer in your life? And my, I was talking to my friend and she's become a good friend since we moved to Los Angeles, but it's kind of a loaded question at the same time, because are we going to stay friends? you you just constantly move through friends in adulthood. And she was like, I don't know how either, you know, it's friends move it in and out of your life. And it feels disingenuous in some way. I don't know. It, 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 you know, I, I want to like, I want to be friends with all these people that meant something to me, but they, they stack up and you can't be a good friend to that many people. Well, and you bring that up when you're exploring it through Rhea, where she's thinking there are times when she's talking about things about not connecting and thinking that the people who are pretending to connect, that that's all a falsehood, that no one really connects that way. And then later she comes to a point where she's more like, well, maybe I do want this. And she looks at Gertie as that person. And then when she finally gets vulnerable with Gertie feels that rejection. And so seeing, seeing Rhea push through that and figuring out friendship and female friendship and, okay, maybe this isn't just a scam that other people try to sell you on, that it could be real. And then she finds, oh, no, it's a scam because this person saw the real me and she doesn't want me. <laughs> sure, I'm blubbering drunk, but, but she doesn't no. want me. So I'm, gonna, I'm going to now decide to hate her entire family and break up a friendship between my daughter and her friend. And just the first domino goes plink and everything goes very, very badly after that. That's not really spoiled because that's the beginning, but still. Oh, yeah, it's totally the beginning. It's It's totally the beginning. (laughs) But it's, 
Well, I think, so I love Rhea and I love that she has all these observations that are like, yeah, like <laughs> a lot of what she says, she's just like casts like a, a surgical ni- surgeon's knife on like every relationship and dynamic in the whole block. And they're all true and funny. They're just the meanest interpretation. Yes. But I also think like there's something to uh, phoniness that she can't tolerate, you know, mm-hmm. and, and those, those friendships, women and men do this with a lot of like hugging, especially in Los Angeles and, Oh, it's so good to see you. And you're like, Oh my God, you're so fake. You know, you would like, if I got hit by a car, you'd keep walking because you were late for an appointment. Wow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> At least you said appointment and not like late for like, like cause they wanted to get a latte or something. <laughs> you have an appointment with a latte, Jen. <laughs> So I think that Rhea is, is, is like, this is all made up. Like, and the only person who wants to really be a real friend to me is Linda Ottomanelli, who is oh, like. Who is just so. Silly. So, She's a silly human. I was just like, so sad. <laughs> um, I loved Rhea um, so much because I felt like she, she would, in many ways was very despicable. Yes. But she was so New England to me, like so East coast that I was just, and that's where I'm from. That's where I live. So I'm just, I know her. I know that person. I know the less extreme version of Rhea. I probably know the actual extreme version of Rhea too, but hopefully not that one. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I remember that kind of personality growing up. I remember like yeah, parents with like cowbells outside their house. Did you have this? And they'd be like, "It's time to come home." They're raising cowbells. <laughs> like, cattle? what? what are they cattle? Like, it was so weird. I still have. Um, ours wasn't a cowbell; it was a brass bell. But I still have. You it. had it, and it's in my house. I could get up and get it right now and show it to you. <laughs> a couple years ago, I was ringing it, trying to get the cat to come in, and then I thought, "What the." What am I doing? What do you mean? Like, the cat is not going to come in if I ring a bell. <laughs> the cat is going to hide. Never come if you call them. That's there to. <laughs> no. Yeah, so, yeah. Had the bell. Had the bell. Like, and you could hear it throughout the neighborhood. When yes. like, the, when the street lights came on, you'd hear people open their doors and just like ring bells, and the kids would just come. Like, okay, I guess it's time to stop playing at the power lines with no supervision. <laughs> the 80s (laughs) we all survived (laughs) most of us (laughs) there's so like there is it's not just a women's story there is like the the i think that a man's worst nightmare happens in this story which is the accusation of sexual abuse um Especially to my hashtag new book boyfriend, Arlo. <laughs> Is he your new book boyfriend? I, he had all the qualities I love. Uh, one hit song, lots of tattoos, damaged past. I was just going to say, scarred past, you had me there. You had me at scarred past and tattooed sleeves. <laughs> and the name Arlo. I'm like, oh man. I had to do some I had to do some retooling of how I feel about the name Arlo because one of my good friends, like three-year-old is Arlo. So oh, I had, that's it's funny. not a toddler, it's a grown-up. It's, it's okay. I was playing with with binary. So for uh, in the different ar- incarnations of that book, I had his dad was Woody. And you know, I was like oh, constantly so playing with yeah. like so Rhea is the name of a Titan, and then there's I think there's another 
Titan name in there somewhere because the Titans eat their children, the gods, and like Robert Benchley and Peter Benchley and the Peter like, Benchley. I had, I had it all, and now it's just like vestiges, <laughs> you know. Now, did you originally intend this to be? Because you are a horror writer, and this I I don't consider Good Neighbors a horror novel. A literary horror novel, perhaps, or personally horrific, but I, it's not a horror novel as like a typical horror novel. Did you ever think that something was going to come out of the sinkhole? And oh yeah, it was initially a monster that came out of the sinkhole, and it was you know, and it was a slasher. And then I was like, I just couldn't make it work, and I finally realized it was because the monster was competing with the human story. Because once you have a monster, you can't resolve these really. Can you imagine? Like, I could try, but it like, wouldn't, like, like it's what, all these would, would human they have all issues. bonded together to fight the monster? Like, you can't. And we've seen that. And then what am and I saying? Then what are you saying? That it, you can get over your differences if there's something that's worse? That's not a, that's not a good moral. It's not <laughs> new either. You're just finding a new scapegoat, and that's really not any better, because that's yeah. where we started, was this idea that, Sarah, you were saying that here you've got this this whole community who's worried about losing their livelihood. And instead of embracing the new family, who's finally made it to the point where they can also have the American dream. It's like, Oh, you're doing well. That must mean that I'm getting brought down. Even though there's nothing to show that it would just be more scapegoating. I, I mean, I feel like there, there is a monster in there and you do name it. I don't know if you want me to, to say what the monster is or the name that you give it because it's kind of a spoiler, but the monster is named repeatedly, but the monster is not like, Oh yeah. I boss. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think um, the question of is it horror is as keeps being posed to me. And I'll I'll talk about a marketing perspective, which is like I had to be rebranded because my third books didn't sell as well. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, couldn't sell a horror novel. So, okay, Um, this, you know, and it's not I didn't compromise anything about this book. I love this book. And writing this book was really hard for me because I had to figure out how to do something new, you know, and it took a lot of work. Uh, do I think it's horror? I do. Um, but I think it's a like a woman's horror. And I think a lot of, yeah, I, I, I think so often these domestic stories were told um, in ways that alienate the people who run domestic life and they don't tell those women's stories. And so it's kind of a paradox because I'm writing horror, but horror's for women, but you guys read horror. Most women don't read horror. And if it's marketed as horror, they're not going to buy it and they're not going to put it in their book clubs and it's not going to reach them. And this is not cynical. I want them to read it because they're reading it and they're telling me, I feel seen. Like, I'm literally getting emails like that. I'm getting emails like I was crying. You know, I felt this. And the, you know, so, yeah, it's horror. Um, clearly, it's like, you know, Shirley Jackson, Jack Ketchum horror. I love Jack. I miss him. You know, I shouldn't even compare myself to him. You Go can. Ahead. I miss him. You can. Um, you know, but I want to make sure that the people who I think would, I, I want to communicate with are getting it. Um, um, I, I love what you're saying so, so much. I know um, 
Allison also writes sci-fi. Trisha also writes sci-fi and horror. I'm a horror author. I write like grief horror and trauma horror. And it's always very emotional. And I know when I say I'm a horror writer, people are like, what kind of monster is it? And I'm like, it is your past memories. <laughs> They're just like, yeah. Oh. <laughs> but I completely hear what you're saying, Sarah, about trying to make sure there's no disconnect between what you're marketing it as and who the intended audience is based on some preconception of women don't like this or people won't like that. I know Jen mentioned I write sci-fi and that whole genre where where the line that gets really confusing, especially if you've got protagonists who are women. And I joke, I, I will be, when I publish sci-fi, I will be using my initials, my first two initials and my last name, because there are men who don't read sci-fi. But as soon as they pick up the book and see the primary characters are women, they're going to put it down anyway. But the point is, you don't want to have that initial, that initial reject based on something of women don't do horror, women don't read sci-fi, women shouldn't write horror, women shouldn't write sci-fi, but also getting into those those humps of the book clubs and your audience being, oh, I don't read that really icky stuff or aliens who it's that, that you need to get into because the, the Oprah book club set, they're your audience and they can connect, but they may be like horror. No, pitch it to me in a way that I want it. Pitch it in a way that is acceptable to me. Well, so my previous books, my high school friends, my college friends were like, it bothered me. I, I couldn't read it. Um, and then, that's why I or did they just, yeah, no, it wasn't for them. Or did they just decide because of the genre? Because I, I have friends who are reading my romances who are like, oh, I'll read these. I don't, I can't do the sci-fi. The book isn't out yet. They have no idea what it's yeah. about. They're already saying, I can't exactly. See. Exactly. And so I was getting, I was getting texts. I was getting questions. Can I read Good Neighbors? Would it be okay? And I was like, it's okay. You know, this you're going to be okay. It's going to work for you. And they did. And they were like, oh, my God, I really loved it. It made me really happy. And and so it's just it's a name. And I'm like, name it whatever you want. You know, if 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 it's going to reach people, because that's what I want. I want people to read it. It's a really good point, because for years I was like, I don't like sci fi. I just don't like it. But I found myself watching when Star Trek was on, <laughs> when my yeah. husband would have it on. And I'm like, oh, I love this episode. And I would be reading something and they're like, you're reading about aliens. You're reading it. Yeah. <laughs> and once I accepted the fact that I absolutely love sci-fi and to venture into that writing it, but it's trying to pull in an audience who is, you know, raised to believe this is what you like. This is going to be, this is going to be promoted to other people, you know, another gender. Yes. It's, it's definitely, it's hard to break through at times. As we were talking about in the green room, they, they're not wrong. Because horror historically has not included women in its stories in believable ways. So, like, there's certain writers that if if I had been given to read and to say, like, do I like horror? It's like, there's a lot of rape, you know. And <laughs> no, I don't like horror. Like, I never want to read it again. You know, There's also a lot of, like, weirdly horny women who are about to be killed by, like, a monster or something who just decide to, like, have sex with the hero because they just, like, that's really where your brain is when you're going through trauma is like, we're just going to have this really sensual sex where my nipples look like, you know, rivets on the Titanic or something like that. Yeah. Um, and like, I couldn't help it. I was still horny while being killed. Like, right. yeah. what? I couldn't, like, and you uh, want to write the letter to the guy and be like, where's an example in real life <laughs> that you met a lady 
Glad this happened. I know. Well, she, like, you don't. You don't. Because so she's horny dead. about this. She's but dead. Because she's, 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 she's dead. You know, they're all dead. She's so happy. But they changed and they became happy and they loved the guy so they much. They loved the guy. Oh, God, don't get me started on the, like, I accidentally fell in love with the man who raped me because I had an orgasm during it. Oh, my God. That's like all the soap operas of the 80s. Yes. 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 It's Luke and Lauren. Yes. <laughs> this exactly. I was going to say that oxytocin, it just, like, wipes your memory. <laughs> So we've, we've been watching stuff that's been going over the old Superman movies and the number of times. I, I mean, I didn't really watch them growing up. I didn't know how many times Clark kisses Lois just to wipe her mind. And I'm just going, we yes. have to this? Yeah. Like, that's why do we keep doing that? Why, are we doing, why can't we just let them be happy? I mean, I guess you'd have to I stop writing the story, but whatever. At least it was Margot Kidder. <laughs> yeah. Margot Kidder had you watched Margot writer. Kidder do anything. Yeah. It's <laughs> true. But then when she ends up, I think it was in the 90s that she was showing up in people's bushes and in the wrong home. You wonder if some stuff was actually done to the poor woman. <laughs> <laughs> she was a method after, so she probably Reeve gave her schizophrenia. Yeah, Christopher Reeve gave her enough that she had a nervous breakdown because they went to the actor's studio in New York and knew they had to feel it and be it. <laughs> We're going to uh, get hate mail. <laughs> Sorry. So, like, Christopher Reeve did no such thing. No, he did He did no such thing. He did no such thing. Margot Kidder, um, all good. <laughs> but I do like so. Why you know? I I think there's reasons women don't like horror. I think there's reasons that they're like I don't want to be a part of this. And I think like my dad when I was in high school got me uh, Year's Best Fantasy and Science Fiction. No, Fantasy yeah. and Horror, and it was Terry Whitling and Ellen Datlow. And I was like, what is this? This is great, you know. I and it was all the horror that's for me. You know, that wasn't like, you know, uh, educating women, training women, using them in some way. And it was sad they were murdered, you know. Grooming when, uh, by books. Yeah, grooming by books. Yeah. When I was little, little, um, I got transfixed into horror because I accidentally read Pet Cemetery, thinking it was about a cat. It was not. Um, you know, then- oh, that's... <laughs> <laughs> but I loved it. But then afterwards, my parents were like, these books are not for you. But at a flea market, they let me buy all these, like, gothic romance and gothic horror books. Like, all those, like, women just running from castles books. Because they were like, these are good. These are, like, they're for, like, princesses or something. But most of them are legitimately just about, like, people that work at colleges who practice witchcraft on the side. And they're all, like, written in the 50s. And it's just about, like women practicing witchcraft so husbands can get promotions. And I'm like, is this better than me reading Pet Cemetery? Yeah, I was handed, I was reading um, a lot of John Saul, which, you know, when you're 10 or 11 is inappropriate. It yeah. is inappropriate. But, <laughs> but those covers were so intriguing. You had to with like the glowy eyes. Oh, they were, they were at every 7-Eleven rack. I'd be like, I'll take that. I'll take that. And, um, my sixth grade teacher was like, I'm giving you something else. This is too much. You can't be reading this. Because it was like, it was a gross one. It was a really gross one. <laughs> with Suffer the Children. And he gave me <laughs> Jealous Lies by uh, Sweet Valley High. 
like whoever that is, Francie Francie, Pascal. And he was like, and I want you to tell me how that makes you feel instead. And I was like, it made me feel bored. (laughs) Dead inside. Dead inside. Um, Jessica and Elizabeth were perfect size six and they played tennis. This is what they eat for breakfast. And I was like, I feel bad about myself. (laughs) I feel really bad. They both drive (laughs) convertible. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. this one's a shock. One's the journalism captain. And you're like, I've never joined anything. <laughs> I'm not anything. I'm, I'm just pale and weird. I'm so cute. Yeah. 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 It's true. It's So in sixth grade, we got to write a short story about anything we wanted. And I wrote Nightmare on Elm Street fan fiction. As if Freddy Krueger and Nancy were falling in love. And my teacher oh my legitimately just r- wrote the words no on it. I didn't even get a grade. It was no. And I said, do you want me to redo this? And he said, no. Like, no, I don't even want to know what your voice is going to be. And I'm like, what? <laughs> that's terrible that's really terrible (laughs) but the thing is like you're on to it because like it has always historically been like so Hannibal Lecter kind of loves Clarice and Clarice kind of has the hots for Hannibal Lecter and you're like in real life I don't know like I don't think I would have the hots for that guy I don't know but you're like I can't be a hundred (laughs) percent I don't know. Like she never had a father, and there's all this, or you know, stuff exactly. that you could, you could maybe. But like, he eats people. So he eats people. Yeah. and I, I, I believe like the Hannibal Lecter, Will Graham, murder husbands, bromance much more than the Clarice Hannibal Lecter. If we're right. talking about wing nut fan theories with like strange sexual chemistry. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I think I, I think I just broke the show. Yeah, that yeah. <laughs> I gotta go now. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing left to say. Yeah, you've been no, on a book tour for a while. Is this not your typical interview that you've had? Oh, it's nice. It, <laughs> you guys and the review crew were like a group, um, and you know we had fun. Um, I, I mean, it's all been fun, but this doesn't feel as much like, like, go, <laughs> sell some books. Sell I'm like, oh, books. God. <laughs> so it's nice. It's really nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's it's been good. It's been since, uh, I guess the book came out February 2nd. The first event was February 1st. So what were you going to say? I just said it's my birth. It was my birthday, so we were <laughs> when it when it came out. I'm like, oh, this book is for me. It came out on my birthday, so I knew that was that was just special. It was a sign. Yeah, <laughs> sign that that was the day the book was released. That's it. So, are you are you working on anything now? Are you taking a brain break? Brain. How do you? How well, this book mean? I wrote a while ago, probably like I think it's been a year and a half since they bought it. That it that and which was great because they spent all that time like they really worked. I mean, I've never had this happen before. It's like they were like, let's let us do all these things for you and like let's make these maps. They hired an artist to make the maps to work with me and who read the book so they knew how it should look. Cause I wanted it to be uh, a cul-de-sac, but it doesn't work because the time it takes to run from the sinkhole 
to the houses isn't enough. So you have to make the bigger. I mean, there's all these details that they thought of. Are these things that just, sorry to interrupt. Is this in the book, in the hardcover version? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We listened to it. I think I don't know if all of us. Did. I read it. Oh, you guys I read it. I read it. I read so, it with my eyeballs. I know. Please. I kept asking Jen. Like every time I was writing a name, I was putting question marks by it because I don't actually know how anything is spelled. I'm like a uh, question mark. I Rhea, are they they this is like oh, wow. Yeah. It was like, and Lord they did the that. Yeah. It's Jen, really cool. Take a picture of that and send it to me. I will. <laughs> I'm like, I can do that. They, and there's an evolution of what the sinkhole looks like and the stuff in it. And I mean, they just did, they just have been really, really crazy supportive. So I have, uh, I have, uh, I've written the pilot for a series for it, which would be a lot of fun. For a series for this? Yeah, right. Oh, I would love that. Yeah. Okay, dream casting and go. Uh, I'm Rhea. No, you're not. Okay, sorry. <laughs> sorry I don't like, think I can even say it because we're actually talking about casting. Oh, okay. So, yeah, yeah. You can email it to me. Tell you guys later. Well, sure. Just tell me later. <laughs> that is so exciting. Yeah, yeah, it's really exciting. I mean, we'll see what happens. It's, uh, but things look good, you know, which is great. And then I have an next book, and uh, things look good there too. Um, so, that's exciting. It might be a little while. But I think that's good, like a couple years, be. like two or something like that. Yeah. In between. Not 10. Oh, God. That was so bad. <laughs> it was terrible. Sarah, I won't lie. I, every time I would go to Amazon, I would just like look for a new book for yours for years. Just Thank like, you. when is when? it happening? I was trying. I was trying. It was so. well worth the wait. Well, well worth the wait. Thank you. Well, people would be like, do you still write? And I'd be like, yes. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm just raising babies now. (laughs) I mean, like, this whole part of my personality, they gave me a lobotomy and now I don't write. Like, I don't know what what even that would mean. So, Like, did that just mean you were just like home supporting John? Like, just like being like, just like just a cheerleader for him? Because you are part of a, a power couple. I know what it would mean. (laughs) Yeah. Like what, what, what was that question? I wasn't, I was never sure. What's the question? What do you do all the time? Yeah. (laughs) What do you do all the time? (laughs) That or like, do you even still want to write? Is this something you still want to do? Because they don't know the behind the scenes. They don't know like, Hey, yeah, this didn't work the way I wanted it to. And now everything's kind of derailed. But I was going to say earlier, it feels like in many ways, this is a relaunching of your career and a new publisher and possibly even kind of different subgenres. Like we were talking about it being horror, but it's not only under horror. If you go to Amazon, it's like psychological thriller. Is that where it shows up to? It was yeah. literary psychological fiction because I loved yeah. um, And a couple other things that I was like, oh, this is good. These are good categories. It's nice. I mean, um, yeah, like there's, you know, like you, there's like you're one of these a little bit or whatever that is where you're you're contentious because you're like horror's good and like yes. I should be and I'm gonna stick up for it, but at the same time it's like, you know, uh, I I want people to read it and they will read it and they will like it as long as it doesn't have that label attached to it. And sometimes true. they just don't necessarily fit really squarely in some neat little box of it's just this or it's just this over here. So having it in a couple different boxes might mean it's open to a few more audiences who might not be interested in this box, but they're like, oh, but I like this box. I like that thriller idea. 
That's always been the dilemma with my work, though. It's never, it's always been its own thing. And it's like, what do we, where do we put this? You know, where I, do we stock it? I always called Audrey's door architecture horror. And people were like, what does that even mean? And I'm like, you just have to read it. As an, as an architecture nerd, I loved it. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Like, <laughs> and, I, and, and I, the fake architecture movements. People thought they were real. And I'd be like, no, it's. No, I made it up. And then you're like, no, it's a thing. It was a religion. Google it. <laughs> like, no, it was... Google it. No, I made it up. <laughs> I was, at the time that I read that, I was in, I had gone back to school for art history and architecture history. And people in my classes were just like, this is real. I'm like, that is not real. We are going to school for this. It is not real. It's amazing. It's amazing. So, I mean, that's always a sign. Real. Yeah. But that's always a sign of a great author who creates something that seems so legit that everybody's like, I'm citing this. No, that is not a legitimate source. This is a fake book, guys. It's like right. she did her research. She made stuff up. Just embrace it, go with it. I mean, I still joke, this is why I don't really understand how any of like Egyptian mythology works, because mine all comes through the lens of Anne Rice. <laughs> and like we yeah. <laughs> is this real? Well, in this one, Akasha goes and does that. That's not real. Well, Anne Rice says so. So Anne Rice was amazing. I remember reading Lestat and being like, the people who read Lestat seem sad. I'm not ready. And then like I finally read it and was like, oh my God, this is crazy. And it's like the vampires slowly turned to stone. Don't they? Like and they're they get like, it was like I mean so they cool. do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Vampires yeah. slowly turn down. <laughs> yes. I mean, this is a different kind of cannibalism because that's just like blood and just like a couple little bites. It's totally different. We're not talking about cannibal. Sorry. That's me. Oh my gosh. Um, I hate to cut this short because we're having such a good time, but I'm almost out of a beverage and we are out of time. Which which is the saddest part. Um, Sarah, thank you so much. Thank oh, you. Oh, thanks for having me. For drinking with us and chatting with us. And you were great. Thank you, Vox Vomitus Vixens, as always. I love you both. Uh, thank you to everybody who watched us live and who is listening to this on audio and you don't see all of our weird faces. Uh, you're missing out. You're missing yeah. out. That's why people tune in. Uh, <laughs> you're watching us on the replay. Thank you. Um, thank you to Roman Seratin, our producer. Thank you to Pam Stack, our executive producer at the Global Authors on the Air Network. This is a copywritten podcast on the Global Authors on the Air Network. Stay tuned next week at 6 p.m. on Wednesday night, Eastern Standard Time, where we will have Tori Eldridge. And if you can't get enough of me, which I find that hard to believe, uh, tune in tomorrow at 6 p.m. I am hosting Writer's Showcase, where I will be talking to comic book superstar Mark Russell. So until then, I'll see you guys later. Now I'm waving if you're not watching the video. <laughs>